This athletic podcast is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favourite online betting company. By downloading the Bet365 app, you can access both pre-match and in-play markets, along with instant match updates for all games. The Bet365 Bet Builder also allows you to make personalised bets via the app, so you can bet on multiple scenarios and create your own bet with unique odds right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And tame, and tame again. Crank up the music. Charge your glass. This nation is going to dance all night. You just can't move for live football coverage these days. From build-up to reaction, from montages to forensic analysis, from phone-ins to goals roundups. So as we hurtle towards saturation point, what is the answer? Well, another football podcast, obviously. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and and with me, having walked through the tunnel area in slow motion, clutching their Louis Vuitton wash bags, nodding hello to nobody in particular, are my two guests. A debut for Harriet Drudge, the athletics social media guru. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Adam. Thanks for coming. And uh, another appearance for Charlie (laughs) Eshichair, the athletics Tottenham man. Um, Welcome. Thank you. I want to ask you about Mourinho's staircase analogy. Charlie, you were there. How was yeah. it? <laughs> um, it was pretty convoluted, uh, quite confusing with the numbering system. I was sort of trying to work it out because it was a, a combo of points, positions, floors. I actually thought he was going to do a snakes and ladders thing. Yeah. Uh, I think that actually would have worked quite well because uh, that is sort of how it's been. But um, yeah, I also was trying to write it all up so I could like instantly get it out. Like Mourinho just made this analogy and that was not easy because it, it, just when you thought it finished, there was then like another floor or another level or another point. We were, uh, um, Again, this falls into category of um, kind of post-parody ideas for athletic articles, but um, they were going to get a, an architect to design the building that Mourinho had <laughs> described for his injury crisis. And it, I think it, in my head, it looked like kind of an Escher drawing. Um, but uh, yeah, one for another day. But that's that that was classic Mourinho. Uh, so other things we noticed uh, about football this week. First of all, Pep Guardiola has told his Man City players that even if they're in League Two, he'll still be there. Uh, Harriet, can we imagine Pep Guardiola managing in League Two? Absolutely not. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we always use... Uh, a wet Tuesday night in Stoke <laughs> as a comparison for, for when players are coming out. Oh, they couldn't do it there. Just imagine Accrington Stanley on a wet Newport. Wednesday. Yeah. Um, a freezing cold Wednesday night. I'd, I'd, yeah, it'd just be great. You'd, having to do all sort of media duties in tiny little porter cabin. Uh, not porter cabin, sorry, League Two, but you know what I mean. Um, there was quite a big debate actually on this, wasn't there, on Twitter of people saying like, oh, he always just takes the easy jobs, yeah. which, you know, is kind of true. You earn the right to do that. It would be fascinating to see him, not necessarily League Two, but even, you know, just moving down the league ever so slightly. Even like 
I don't know, an Arsenal or an Everton or someone, how maybe, good he'd be. Maybe all elite managers, it should be like like work experience. You have to do a year yeah. <laughs> to halfway at the peak of your career, regardless of whether it benefits your career or not, just to um, make sure that people on Twitter are, uh, are accounted for. Um, next one. This is a very interesting tweet from Dominic Bliss. He says, Willie Bolly of Wolves has joined the exclusive group of footballers who must be referred to by their full name at all times. Mm. Really fascinating kind of sub-genre um, I offer you John McGinn yeah John McGinn is the one that comes to Rule mind. Fox back in the day I th- maybe it's like a short name thing but do we have any theories about why players are referred to by their full names at all times I think they're, they're sort of good eggs generally aren't they right they're, they're kind of trustworthy I mean it slightly links to what we were talking about in the um, grassroots football one mm. I mean I think of a guy called Dan Levy from my uh, previous uh, yeah. footballing days I mean he was just like a really committed fullback so he seemed to get it. I don't know, McGinn, he seems like quite a likeable, honest player. Mm. You get, I think, um, the Everton chairman, theatre empresario Bill, Bill Kenwright, <laughs> to give him his full name, or social media expert Harriet Drudge. These things, these things yeah, you just mm. tend to get your full title. Um, I think if they're fun to say as well. We've got, a, I've got a teammate at South London Women called Lisa Clutterbuck. I love... I love just that's shout an amazing out. Yes, name. Lisa Clutterbuck. I mean, greetings just... to Lisa Clutterbuck. You have to be very careful saying that, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Does she Good. ever get? Yeah, she does. Yes. Um, <laughs> Glenn Murray, I think of him sort yeah. of could be in that category. I think it's fairly short names, mm. except for um, Clutterbuck. Clutterbuck. Old, old Clutters. <laughs> a Plymouth University student yesterday tweeted a picture of of Neil Warnock standing in his living room. That's all it was, and that's all he announced it as. And uh, this this tweet took off. It, got into sort of five figures and then um the theory the the, the backstory to this was that neil walk turned neil warnock turned out to be his landlord so he just came for sort of a, you know one of these routine checks i hope this is true i don't know if it's some sort of twitter scam but it leads me inevitably to ask you um premier league managers as landlords who would who would you most like to be your landlord well there, there's rogers as well isn't there who's klopp's landlord oh klopp lives in house owned by brendan rogers has he still got the massive painting of him in there <laughs> Quite possibly. Uh, who would I most want to know that? Oh, that's a really hard one. I Sean Dyche? Oh, I'm not sure about Sean, but I think Eddie Howe would be a nice landlord. Yeah, Ooh. good shout. I think he'd do everything for you. Yeah. He'd, he'd be just that, that guy. You ring him up, got a problem, he'd be round within the hour. <laughs> you ring him up and say, oh, my boy's got, look, yeah, I've just got something to do this morning. I'm training with the lads, but I'll be around there maybe this afternoon and we'll really sort of take a look at it and see what my philosophy for the boiler is. Yeah. Um, that's my Eddie Howe impression. Sorry. <laughs> Never going to do that again. Philosophy <laughs> for the boiler. Just, it seems like Eddie Howe would have a philosophy for, for boiler maintenance. The consumption of football, I feel like we're surrounded by opportunities to take football in. And where better to start than football on TV? Because, uh, well, first of all, is there too much football on TV? Do you think we are spoiled as as armchair fans? Short answer, yes. <laughs> um, it's just, it's incessant, isn't it? Mm. Uh, you you want to kind of go through the running order for the week and see, oh, which ones do I want to watch? Oh, well, there's loads on. Just can't select when is the best time to actually... You have to be quite selective now if you're yeah. going to watch some football. Um, I feel quite embarrassed if I'm not watching the Eredivisie on sort of late on Sunday night. There's a cutoff point on a Sunday for me where I just think I don't want to watch any more football. Is football fatigue a thing? Absolutely. Oh, I think a I'd lot say, of people yeah. get it on a Sunday, yeah, especially yeah. after like a couple of if there's like a decent double header. It's weird, isn't it, the dynamic? Because when I was growing up, I remember you know that you'd have your Sunday game, your Monday game, and that was prescribed for you, and you I would just watch like yeah. whatever it was, yeah. even if it was you know, a really seemingly uninteresting match. Obviously now you have, there's so much more choice. 
but as well as as well as the sort of frequency of games, it's just the the treatment that the big games get on, say, Sky or, or BT, these huge time slots, and then they have to then someone someone has to suddenly fill it with stuff, so that you start off with these. And I swear it's getting slower and slower. The montages of players and managers walking into the stadium. Yeah. I think I feel like we're at the slowest it could possibly be for Mourinho walking into say Old Trafford and sort of nodding at a staff member saying I remember you from my time here. Classy Which dressing touch. room am I going to go into? That sort of stuff. Yeah, lots of classy touches at that point. But I actually now as well, like with Monday Night Football, I do prefer the hour seven to eight when they're just chatting about other stuff. And it always mm. when it gets about seven forty and Dave Jones has to be like fascinating. But we are here for Newcastle West Brom, yeah. and you're like, oh, do we have to? Like, do we have to watch that game? Can't they just keep talking about the really good stuff? But yeah, Harry, is there a point during a football broadcast you just think, I, I just don't want to hear any more about this game. Get on with it. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's when you get to that little bit before the match actually starts as well, mm. and they they've got the camera on the pitch, yeah. all the players are out, and then they go to another break. <laughs> yeah, there's the double ad break. There's the now. double. There's there's the double kind of. Unless it's at Anfield, so you don't. You, you must yeah, you know, by you, law hear the song we asked our listeners for their minor irritations about football on tv um nw we only know him by his initials or maybe it's for her um commentators who proclaim whether a call is correct or not five seconds before a replay is shown and then refuse to change their mind when confronted with video evidence this is mm. a this is a bugbear for me because there's no there's no need because this isn't you're not legally bound to your first call yeah and it's totally fine to change your mind yeah once you've seen more I just, yeah. Building on that, one of my biggest mates is when commentators will talk about incidents, but applying the rules from when they were playing, which is often like twenty years ago. To be like, there's nothing wrong with that. It's absolutely fine. That was like that may have been true in ninety five. What is it? Daylight? Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's that. Okay, that that wouldn't have been a foul then. That is absolutely a foul now, and it's just so unhelpful to uh, for the viewer. Harriet, do you suffer from the same anxiety as me as um, when a replay is going on for too long and then the crowd start reacting to something else? Do you get anxious to know what's happening? Absolutely. I mean, the, when it doesn't cut to the right passage of play as well. And it you just, what's happened? Um, and the commentators, they're kind of almost having a fight between themselves. One's talking about the replay, one's talk, trying to get in yeah. to talk about what's yeah. already happening. Uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely a massive bugbear. I feel like... Football on TV is kind of pioneering. It's, it's pushing forward all the time, but there are things that have been kind of left by the wayside. I'm looking back at things like Fan Zone mm. and Player Cam, which Sky really sort of championed sort of late 90s, early 2000s via the red button. It's a bit like Concord. It felt like it was a really cool thing at the time. <laughs> I was like, why don't we have it anymore? What happened? Yeah, I did, did either of you ever, ever use either of those options? I, I think a Player Cam a couple of times. A couple What's of times? Player Cam for? Yeah. What's the benefit? I well, think if you really want to study what a player's movement and that yeah, sort of thing. I, I can kind of understand it because actually when, when you're at a ground as well and you're watching the game, mm. sometimes you'll just watch a player. Okay. And so, but the, the camera work and the quality of the camera was never good enough <laughs> it's just a, yeah, for player cam. It's just too close up. Yeah, yeah. well it's that's like the thing. You couldn't Gerard's, even really see what they were doing. Gerard's final game for Liverpool, they kind of, they, they did it, they brought it back specially ah. for that just so you could see a really close-up of Steven Gerrard Looking going on the pit. Yeah, sort of, yeah. yeah, it was almost like they wanted to get his whole his whole body in it. Mm. But actually, you're not wanting to watch his body movements. You're mm. wanting to watch what he's doing. Yeah, you need the on wider the pitch, context. You need a wider, yeah. a wider angle yeah. um, to see you know, what he's pointing out, who he's shouting at and all of that kind of stuff rather than just the fact that he's running or <laughs> kicking a ball. Yeah. 
It should be I mean, all fairly obvious, really, shouldn't it? But fan zone as well. I think you know you could feel fairly confident if there was anything vaguely worth watching, Sky would let you know about it, and it would be kind of cut up before the next game. We've gone from having so many devices and so many ways of of listening to a game, so fan zone and that sort of stuff. But um, Amazon pioneered this option where you could just turn the commentary off and just hear the crowd noise, which felt quite cruel. For I asked, I, I remember asking. Jim Beglin, who's a co-commentator, says, does this offend you? And he says, that ah, doesn't bother me. You can do what mm. they like. Um, it feels like an affront to commentary to turn it off. I think there was an option to do that on BBC during World Cups of oh, years right. gone by, okay. where you could push a red button and still watch the same match, but turn the commentary off. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it, it's it's decent. I won't name the commentator that I was <laughs> hastily looking for to turn Poor off. Lauro. It wasn't Lauro. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I quite like that option because... Also, I like to think about about the game myself and not be led by a commentator. Yeah. So sometimes it, it depends on what kind of experience you want watching a game. I think if you're watching your own team, I can understand the option being would make sense. You don't want the irritation of say a co-commentator telling you, "Well, that's not really working out for mm. them at the moment. You haven't really got going." Have that. Shut up! I don't want to know how badly my team are doing. <laughs> Live football on TV, it's, it's, it exists for a perfectly good reason. You get to watch the football, but then they're kind of these kind of peripheral forms of football programming like say soccer saturday which has kind of prevailed for so long but and every now and then people sort of take back take a sort of step back and look at it and go this is absolutely bizarre and, and there's final score and bt have their own version which is just sort of ex-pros sat there in comfortable chairs watching watching football for our benefit and it's such a bizarre form of programming yeah you can almost see the talking head on a kind of retrospective of soccer saturday and it being like when he came up to me and suggested a format for a program Five blokes in a room watching football. I said, you're joking. You're mad. I'll never catch on. <laughs> 25 years later, here we are. And, and it is that sort of thing. I mean, it, it is quite weird. Mm. But um, somehow it is oddly compelling. I mean, that was... I always used to watch Soccer Saturday with, yeah. with my dad mm. uh, at home. And my mum would come in and say, you're watching five blokes watching football and talking about it. That's the kind of critical distance you need. Absolutely. Mom. But... As the years have gone on, she now refers to it as an afternoon with Jeff. <laughs> so, and even when I went to university, she would text me saying, you know, well, what are you doing? And I'd be out with out with friends, you know, doing something a bit different, you know, trying to make friends probably yeah. at the time. Other but she'd, she, she'd still be at home saying, oh, we're, we're just having an afternoon with Jeff. But it's such a lawless thing. It's like um, a goal will go in and th- there's no there's no kind of decorum. It's just a goal! And, <laughs> just and it's just, you're just allowed to do that, are you, on, on live, <laughs> paid-for TV? Faker Others is on uh, yeah. Soccer Saturday as well. And I don't know whether any of you saw this a few months ago that uh, James Blunt <laughs> tweeted saying, oh, lots of people have been asking me what I've been up to and put a picture of Faker Others because they look quite similar yeah. on onto Twitter. And it went absolutely mental on it, yeah, on Twitter. She's... um. It's just she, it occupy, she's a kind of the subgenre of roving reporter where they actually they actually go to her on camera and she's got her back to the game, which seems like a waste of resource. You've got the person with the back to the game and then reporting to camera. The whole program is absurd, and I I just I I'm amazed that the format has prevailed f- for this long. We asked our listeners for some alternative voices for the classified scores because it's very formal voice mm. still, and it's so formal that it feels like they're. they're they're doing it for legal reasons. You've got to it publish to all be. the scores. Um, what was that guy's name? Who did the guy who was like an institute? Is it Double Barrel Cinema? Alexander James Gordon. Alexander Gordon. Yeah, yeah. It. Just just the oldest man in the world reading out the yeah. uh, results. Which I, mean, I feel like that that's the only way you you should be able to consume football results. Um, a man called Paul exclamation mark has offered some alternative voices. Alan Carr, 
Greg Wallace, because he's in everything else. I can imagine Greg <laughs> Wallace reading out scores. Mm. One nil. That is a lovely result. Really like that one. Uh, sweep of Sooty and Sweep fame. I'm glad he clarified who's, who Sweep was there. <laughs> Dave Sweep. And Bob Monkhouse. Is sure. he alive? Is Bob? No. Oh. So you can't have Bob Monkhouse. <laughs> Any other suggestions? Who, who would you like to read out? I think you've got, you got your classic kind of go-tos when you talk about voiceovers of, mm. you know, Brian Blessed would just be a bit hilarious. <laughs> uh, Morgan Freeman. <laughs> and then uh, one I was thinking about on the train was uh, Ruth Jones, ne- but doing it as Nessa from Gavin well, and Stacey. Enough, my, my went to Rob Brydon, who's another classic voiceover artist. I thought Welsh accent might suit, suit as well. Um, mm. s- someone else, I, I didn't catch their name, uh, suggested that um, football commentary in Welsh is is really, really... So I'm watching sort of football on S4C because it's the same <laughs> intonations and the same phrase structure and the same sounds as English, but in a Welsh accent. So it's it's just really incongruous. He said, so check it out. So I recommend everyone listening to to watch football on S4C. Um, we can't talk about classified results without mentioning the pools panel, uh, which is this kind of shady group of figures, which once included Gordon <laughs> Banks. And it's, it was a group of four ex-footballers and... and this panel had been convened for a good 50 years to decide what the result of a postponed game should be, as we all understand it. Um, but Banks said, we, we're, we're all big friends. We play golf together and even go to Spain together for a week. Like, they're a really tightly knit group. Is it like the dubious, dubious goals panel? These, all these shady little panels. Would you like to be on the pools panel? I never knew that's what it was. Right. No, it was always one of those things I vaguely heard, but just glossed over. So as you get to the end of a Saturday, and if, if like me your football fatigue has really kicked in. It feels like Match of the Day has now become an optional thing. Match of the Day used to become, you have to watch it. That's what I mean about, and, and with like the, formerly with the Sunday and Monday, that there just were, there was just one game each and, yeah. and you had to watch it. But it, just, it doesn't feel like appointment viewing anymore. No, I think it depends when you, when you start watching football that, that day. Mm. If you've started early yeah. and, you know, some people like to watch Soccer AM uh, and then <laughs> move on to, move on to the lunchtime kickoff and then one of the rolling sports scores shows, and yeah. then the evening kickoff. It depends because if you, you know, if you've got something else going on in your life, then yeah. you might not watch match of the day well, as well. I, I but certainly hope so. But, but I think it also, isn't there something now? And obviously, the athletic is tapping into it. So because you, you, most people are so club specific, mm. you know that if, if my team's won, I'll probably. I'll probably watch them on Match of the Day, but I'll also have read like four or five articles. The next day, I'll probably listen to a like club-specific yeah. podcast. I think that's a more that's becoming increasingly commonplace. And so, I think for a lot of people, the idea of like why would they be interested in watching Wolves v Southampton? So it's partly just, there aren't many like generalist options. Match of the Day is almost unique in that, and I yeah, think that's and reduced the interest maybe by definition. It has to skim the surface. I mean, exactly. I, I have no completely. lot of sympathy for Match of the Day. So compared to say. Monday Night Football on Sky, which has like an hour to sort of forensically analyse offside decisions and things like that. Imagine the day you have like two minutes to analyse a game. Totally. And you can understand then why, and I remember doing a piece years ago on Fan TV and its growth, and a couple of people I spoke to, not from Arsenal, from from other, from smaller clubs, it was when I think Stoke was still in the Premier League and, uh, you know, we were talking about the fact that match of the day, the analysis is end of the show, two minutes, Stoke, what do you about them? They'll be fine and move on. And that's it. And so you can understand then why you want a more specific and bespoke product. But there are but some... I do love most of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, it's like a, a relative. You have, yeah, exactly, you have to yeah. love it. But there are some lovely little quirks of Match of the Day, some unavoidable ones. Tim Mill says, a yellow card on Match of the Day is like a bloke getting a ladder out of his garage at the start of Casualty. <laughs> There's some very ominous moments. Yeah. Like a player coming on as a sub. Wow, why are you showing us this? No, it's just... Um, another one is, if, if a 
section of the highlights begins with the team passing it around at the back. You think, this isn't going to be good. Yeah. Something terrible is about to happen. And uh, it must be really hard to edit highlights in a way that isn't kind of knowing. So, yeah, it's and good. portentous. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, also, because I remember, Adam, you are, you said no one had ever watched Match Day without knowing the scores. Yes. And that is something I've done quite a few times. How and in fact, every Boxing Day, we used to do that. kind of Because <laughs> it was such a bumper one. And we'd yeah. always be at um, my, like my grandparents and stuff. So we kind of just... It was a lot easier to block out then as well because it was kind of pre-phone and stuff. And, and did you look away now at the end of the news? Yeah, I, I don't think we'd even risk. I mean, not knowing yeah, the score. Yeah, why would you? If you didn't yeah. know the score. <laughs> yeah, why would you watch Just it? avoid the news altogether. And actually, I've done it a few times for games, full games. And uh, me and my brother and sister used to do it. And then you'd watch them as live. Mm. And it actually really worked. But okay. the art of not finding out the score. I mean, you have to be really militant. Like, you know, turning on the record. Like, you're so paranoid, <laughs> someone's going to say. And once actually I did, having spent all morning avoiding a score hmm. we're coming back um and the guy's dropping me off winds the window down and he's like oh hi how you doing to saw some friends like yeah good good morning he's like yeah yeah just been watching the tennis incredible federal one <laughs> and having spent that whole morning just like my head's just yeah it's like it should be quite easy to avoid hands. a tennis score and yet well what exactly it. And, and it was plain sailing and we got in the car turned the radio off and as soon as we turned the radio off we're like right we're clear there's, there's nothing that can go wrong Harriet, do you have the discipline to avoid the scores? I don't. No, no. I mean, working in social media anyway, yeah. I'm kind of on it all the time. Yeah. So I'm checking everything. But I once, when I was um, younger, I had kind of a, the reverse story for Charlie. Not tennis, cricket. I went round to a friend's house and his dad... Um, his dad had recorded a, a cricket match. Oh, that's one day. Dream. Oh a one God. day, and it, it was the day before, and he just sat, had just sat down to watch it. The day before, and. Uh, my dad had come to pick me up and um, I said, oh, this is a great match, wasn't it? Uh. And it, India won or something. Like, and he was just like, oh, head bowed. Like, <laughs> I like, felt awful. Yeah. It is crazy. So, it's like you've robbed me of like the next... 10 hours yeah. as well. But I feel like there should be a disclaimer. People, if you don't want... To, I mean, your, yours I sympathise with. Was so, mine was so freakish. But that yeah, was no, freakish. That was me. If I was watching that TV, I'd be like, do not talk to me. I'm watching this. Do not tell me the score. Exactly. And given he knew how sporty I was as well, and the likelihood it was that I'd been to Lords with his son to play cricket at lunchtime. I mean, yeah. I was interested in cricket. Tell me not to talk to Completely. you. Completely. <laughs> no, no, no. You've just got to be militant as that person. But as well, that what you say about social media, that is why now it is really hard to try and watch something not live because your fo- your hand just naturally goes down to your phone or your computer. You want to double screen. We're so used yeah. to it. Yeah, and and it shows we struggle to be present, I think. Yeah, though. and it's not just social media. It's It's the apps that you've got as well. So if you've got a club app, they quite often have push notifications that come through. BBC Sport, they'll do it as well if you've forgotten to turn that off. So Again, you can get absolutely bombarded. Absolute yeah, if your phone's on airplane mode, you've only got yourself to blame, quite frankly. I feel like one form of football highlights, which is immune from that, even if you do know the scores, it doesn't actually ruin the enjoyment, is the the, fo- the art of the Football League goals roundup, which good match that doesn't have that anymore because they do every game in full. So you don't have sort of Gerald Sin stats or yeah. talking over goals in a really sort of casual conversational way. But you still get it for the Football League, I think it's a quest on, on, on a Saturday evening. Still haven't watched it, but I, I should do because I really like Football League Girls Roundups. And in particular, I really like the tone of voice that they use. Um, I tweeted about this the other day and I actually got some angry guys who used to narrate Football League Extra back in the 90s saying, you you think it's easy, do you? I said, no, I honestly don't. But this is what I've noticed about Football League Goal Roundup. So one quiet, boring day recently, I decided to try and record my own version of every Football League Goals Roundup ever. 
Team X went into this game with just one win in their last 13. And when Team Y took the lead inside four minutes at Stadium Z, the home fans were probably starting to fear the worst. But Striker A had other ideas, and this game turned on its head in the space of five minutes midway through the second half. First, a smart finish from the edge of the box brought Team X level, and he repeated the trick on the hour mark to bring his tally for the season to 22. By now, Team X were in the mood, and although Striker A squandered a gilt-edge chance to complete his hat-trick, on-loan Dutchman winger B made it three with a curling effort from long range. Team Y's misery was compounded in stoppage time when midfielder C's late challenge on fullback D saw them reduced to 10 men. An afternoon to forget for manager E's men then, but Team X will hope they have finally turned a corner under caretaker boss manager F. To me, football league goals roundups, they're like poetry. You can rely on that kind of undulating tone. Um, what, what's your favourite bit of every football league goals roundup ever, Charlie? Well, I, as, as I was hearing that, I could perfectly envision it, a sort of muddyish pitch, <laughs> light rain falling. And I could see the scoreline kind of popping up at the bottom. And, and that's when you, you feel safe. So, ah, okay. Like, we, you know we, you're in good hands. Yeah, it's like, okay, yeah. we we got through it and the right result happened any glaring emissions there harriet no i can't think of any but i just like the empathy as well for because (laughs) there's so many goals in football league yeah so it can go you know it really does go from one end to the other and the the empathy in in the voice of of the voiceover is just wonderful it's almost like yeah we know we're with you on this no that's just what i'm saying when 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 they when I sort of slightly annoyed these guys who'd done it as a, as a profession in the past, what I should have said was, you know, it's not like co-commentary, which is, to me, kind of designed to annoy you. There's something always about co-commentary that will get your back up. But football is gold rounds up. So, as you say, they're not very judgmental. They're very inclusive and, and they will reflect the reality of the game without making you feel terrible about what just happened. So to everyone who's ever done a football league goal roundup, you have my eternal respect. And I would like to put that on record. I want to talk about the second screen experience that is Twitter. Um, I want to put this out there because Twitter has ruined my enjoyment of football. I enjoy Twitter. I love posting on Twitter. But it has ruined my ability to watch a football game and appreciate it as a whole. Appreciate the evolution of a a football game. Say, this game's going well or they started well. I've got no idea because I'm half watching it. And then I'm really, all I'm really doing is watching on Twitter for the reactions of other people. And so this is constant... Mm. It's just constant reaction of other people. I'm not actually watching it. It's terrible. I need to stop. Well, I hated myself a few years ago. That Liverpool City game, uh, the Champions League game that was 3-0, first leg. And Liverpool scored their goals in a kind of 15-minute blitz. And I'd had my dinner. And so I sort of missed the first half hour. So I paused it. I was like, okay, that's fine. I can just watch it as live. I'll probably catch up when I whiz through a few things anyway. Mm. But after like, the first 15 minutes, I was getting a bit like, oh, it's not live. And having always done that all yeah. my life, I was like, oh... And I actually just cracked and was like, no, I need to go back to real time. <laughs> and in so doing, skip from 0-0 to 3-0. And I was like, you've done that for the sake of reading tweets that will only annoy you anyway. Yeah, like, yeah. What are you doing? Why do I need other people's opinions? Yeah. Um, is Twitter ruining football? Let's put it out there. Well, I am the social abs- media editor. absolutely not going to comment on that. Um, it's not ruining football. I think it's, it's obviously added a different dimension. Yeah, yeah of course. Uh, you need to have a bit more self-control. I do. <laughs> and you know, just challenge yourself one day to watch a match without looking at any of your screens. I, see see what kind of experience you get from I, that I now. I did try and do that, but similar to Charlie, I just sort of crept back to it. I just I need to know what other people who I have chosen to follow are saying about this game. And then all it turns out is that I'm watching it on, say, Sky Go or something. So 45 seconds before a goal goes in, someone goes, 1-0 Chelsea. So, ah, oh, ruined it. But, but what I also think is that Twitter is kind of 
enabling the reduction of our attention spans when it comes to football a little bit. And I, I talk about me in particular, and then I just assume that it's happening to other people. But it's reducing kind of football to kind of 30 second clips. Let's take this week in the Champions League. All I'm seeing is 30 second clips of Erling Haaland, for example, sort of running down the pitch really quickly. And I think well, that's, that doesn't represent the whole game. We're not appreciating football in its entirety here, are we? No, I, I think there's definitely an element of that. But I mean, that, that sound that uh, the goal made when it hit the, it's that beautiful. shot was just incredible. We should have and a podcast that's just playing that sound absolutely, over and again. Absolutely. Um, I, used to, I used to work at Sky mm. Sports on the social media desk, okay. so I used to have to create those 30-second clips. And I can tell you, you don't know pressure <laughs> until you're, you're in that kind of environment and you're like, I really need to get this clip out. They're really quick now. They They're are really, really quick. Like, soon after goals is straight after. So yeah. it, now it just feels like I don't need to be watching this game at all. And it's not just it's not just the goals either. It's it's big moments in matches. I was I was on the shift at the League Cup final for last year. So when Kepper lost his mind yeah. and was like, no no no, don't sub me, don't sub me, and Sari then like stormed off. Mm. We had to do that as a yeah. bit of a clip as well. So it's it's you know, and then all of the kind of context around that. Some people will only have seen that as the League Cup final snippet that yeah. they'll see for the whole day. Mm. So then they get a bit of a different narrative. And that's the thing. I think we, and this is going to be a bit preachy from a social media no, this manager. Is a spirited defence. I'm enjoying this. Um, that you need to have, you need to take a bit of responsibility for how you consume things. <laughs> well, yes, I agree. Not, that really. wasn't just directed no, at you, fine. Adam. No, I, um, my current but, method of, of trying to harness this this obsession with having to check other people's views on football is I use, I use tweet deck and I have to hover, hover my, tool. the cut. Yes. Brilliant. And I have hover my column just below the top so it doesn't keep refreshing. So I'm in some sort of control about what people are telling me before a goal goes in. This, this that, is what that, I've been reduced um, to. That those goals as well, I've seen them. I think that's probably part of the match of the day uh, reluctance. Some people have as well, isn't it? Cause it used to be, that was the first time you could see a goal. Whereas mm. now you'll, you'll have seen that five or 10 times already. Yeah, I feel like they're, this kind of control that they used to have over people sharing mm. goal clips is just gone. I mean, yeah. I, and I'm talking sort of in an illegal sense as well. People will just put up a gif of a goal and you'll be able to see it. The, 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 it's just lawless. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's got better in recent years because people used to rip stuff off illegal streams and, yeah. and put it on like that. But then obviously the the leagues got got hold of that and try and wanted to then give the broadcasters a bit more control over pushing out that kind of content because before it was an absolute no mm. but now i think you know mm. you are you know you'll see that sky don't put out every goal um but they'll they'll put out the biggest you know kind of top three or that kind of stuff um and so that kind of then feeds back into the fact that they're still a tv station that is yeah. their main priority of and social media is is a you know i'm not, not talking myself out of job here <laughs> uh, social media is a nice you know kind of compliment, compliment to to the fact yes. that their business mm -hmm. is a tv company mm. but i do remember when that changed it must have been a few years ago and suddenly sky sports were putting out goals on twitter and i was like what this isn't a, how can they be doing this i thought this was like totally banned or something yeah it just feels like yeah it's it's real estate and they're giving it away for free. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought it was like, oh, you'll have to log in or something, yeah. of course. And yeah. I was like, oh, it's just playing. Yeah, no, it's, it's just a different form of licensing now, I guess. Mm. Uh, they've they've got that. They've negotiated that. And I think, you know, that's it's great because great for consumers, great for everyone that can access that kind of free. Yeah. And also, like, without it being a bit of a business pitch, people who don't have Sky get to enjoy it as well. And so, uh, yeah, more football for all. So as a social media pro... Um, would would you ever would you ever consider sort of being the person who has to tweet out the the updates from a particular club? So uh, I'll give you an example. I really enjoy when clubs have to tweet out an opposition goal. It's really deadpan. That mu there must be an art to that. 
yeah, I, most of the time you can just see it's goal and the op- opposition <laughs> yeah. club. It could be an amazing goal, and it, I just the the restraint they show is something else. Yeah, and that's that's the thing that you've really got to. What I find absolutely baffling is that I know a few of the social media managers at clubs who don't support the club that they work for, mm. and when it's you know you, you, they've almost got to channel their inner fan from for you know who they're they're working for that should be regulated like referees right? you should have to declare who you support before you become <laughs> a social media executive for a certain book club yeah Important. i mean it's, it's a really difficult one and, and you know i ultimate respect for the for the social media managers out there who are managing a club account that they're not a fan of obviously you get a, when you get a bit more uh in in with the club and you know the players and you, you know you're getting more in, ingrained with that you become a bit of a fan as well but mm. yeah the, the self you know, self-restraint that you have to show on social media <laughs> even when you're not at working at a club yeah. is you know is quite quite something how do you feel about not sort of novelty goal gifts or bristol city style they're quite I, fun aren't i they? love them absolutely yeah. love them but they have to be done well yeah don't just do them for the sake of it okay um yeah i can't i yeah the bristol city ones are Brilliant. I mean, I'm I'm less okay with the ones that are just basically a player being told to say, yeah, because you can just <laughs> really see it's, it's just not convincing, is yeah. it? And I mean, I've been on the shoots where they've been asked to do that kind of stuff and it's just, it's, people see through it. Yeah. Everybody knows that, that you know, I'd rather, I'd rather a gif of uh, live action or, you know, yeah, so, yeah. or a novelty thing that they've just done off the, off the back of a goal I feel like I've seen Harry Kane doing a fake yeah loads <laughs> in the last three years why do they keep going to him to do it because I just feel like he's not his and heart's the, not really the Deli Alley wave we touched on the kind of the illicit side of football coverage which is um, a sort of the sharing of a sort of illegal clips and things like that um, now of course this isn't the platform for us to any to ever admit that we've done this but illegal live streaming um, as as terrible as it is is such a fascinating kind of snapshot into the the thirst for people to, to watch football, sort of the Saturday three pm blackout, and and as I understand it, there <laughs> is a there is a kind of mini industry on the kind of black market for sharing sort of links for people to go and watch games. And um, Jake Wilkes writes in and he says, I've always wondered about people who join the live chat on illegal live stream. <laughs> Do you think that might be the depths of football discourse, <laughs> the chat Ryan's. box on an illegal live stream? When, what are you going to glean from that? Are Except they real people? I, terrible, I imagine a lot terrible of ideas. And yeah. I, 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 I don't know. Just far right ideas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Perhaps we should, we should, we should leave that. Um, <laughs> equally infuriating to me, at least platform, which is football on the radio. Um, I feel like it's overly romantic fantasize football on the radio um to me it's hell if my t- i've never heard my team win on the radio i'm 37 years old in june and i have never heard my team win on the radio it's the worst platform on which to hear your team play football it's definitely the most stress inducing it's awful like there is yeah, that fear I'd whenever that. the opposition yeah. is anywhere near your goal and the commentators yeah my whole body tenses yeah up. <laughs> because i i accept that like take the BBC commentator on the radio they are the peak of their profession they are the best of the best but yet in a sort of complicated attack there's so much going on and there's only so many words that they can say at one time it's too stressful right it's really stressful I mean I remember I was on holiday uh, and I can't I can't even remember where we were but the football was on we'd just driven up to the little cottage that we'd that we'd hired out for a week and it was Man United Liverpool and I heard all I heard was Rio Ferdinand, Rio Ferdinand, yeah. And I'm thinking, oh no! And there was a goal, a, a goal went in, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm literally crestfallen. It's the <laughs> 92nd minute. I heard all I heard was Rio Ferdinand, so I'm thinking, 
we've lost this one nil here. Mm. It was when he absolutely banged one in against Liverpool at the Stretford end. And then, I, you know, that, but that moment, it went from pure agony to absolute ecstasy. <laughs> and, but that moment just kind of epitomised the, you know, the experience of listening to football on the radio. It is. And I think what they do brilliantly is when they move around from different grounds and you're getting yeah. lots of different snippets. I think that's very And they've got someone shouting in their ear saying, we've got to go to, you know, yeah. Selhurst Park. It's amazing how, such a how they do job. it. Similar to that, Harry, a, um, a friend of mine, his dad, who's not really into football, um, but his family are, and they were all at the FA Cup final. It must have been 2014, Arsenal Hull. So he was kind of dutifully listening in the gun. He was on his own, uh, dutifully listening in the gun, and the commentator just goes, Aaron Ramsey! Aaron Ramsey! <laughs> and just kept saying the name. So my dad knew that Aaron Ramsey had scored the winner, but he didn't know which team Aaron Ramsey played for. That was like the extent of his knowledge. So he <laughs> just sat there being like, which team is that a goal for? And, th- and that's when the, uh, the radio format can, uh, can really go against you. One format that works really well, I think, is the BT Sport Goal Show. Oh, yeah. Where um, they, you have a, a, like Soccer Saturday, you have someone watching the game, but you, you can actually then see the goals because yeah, they have like the rights. Yeah, perfect middle ground. Yeah, so they'll say like, so you're not sure which game to watch. There are like eight on that night. And they'll be like, oh, we're now going to go to this game. And you watch that for a few minutes. And that's interesting. It's like, oh, there's actually quite a lot going on in this game. And you watch that for a few yeah, minutes. There is a selection dilemma on Champions League nights. Mm, I mean, exactly. I mean, on sort of Tuesday this week, I, there was... A compelling looking Dortmund PSG game which it wasn't even hipster territory this was a genuinely yeah. good looking football game and then you, but there was also the English club in Europe so it felt like obliged to watch that I flipped between two of them and then eventually sort of settled on Dortmund just before Haaland scored first and I and think I've made the right choice between two is hard it's you awful often something always happens yeah yeah, so I think that yeah, I think it was it was a good formula they still do it right I think so I think they do it in the groups okay. when there are so many matches going on yeah but I think the formula they've got is they've got just good broadcasters and then they've got the right. So it's a perfect storm for them. I guess all broadcasters can't really do that. Um, one one at the very other end of the spectrum, the most unhelpful uh, coverage of football I am aware of is the automated live text commentary, which the BBC still have. I guess it doesn't, I guess it doesn't really cost much to have and you might as well just have it there. But I take an example, as an example, you, you, you will all remember Gareth Bale's bicycle kick in the Champions League final against, uh, against Liverpool. This is how the BBC's automated live text commentary described it. Goal, Real Madrid 2, Liverpool 1. Gareth Bale, Real Madrid, left-footed shot from the centre <laughs> of the box to top left corner, assisted by Marcelo with a cross. This the so clinical. What's the point of automated live text commentary? Who is going to use that as their, oh God, I need to find out what's going on. I know, I'll go to the automated live text commentary of the BBC website. Then there are a thousand other ways of doing it. Do they have, um, do BBC Sport do live blogs as well as that? I think so. Like, yeah. like yeah, as human in, yeah. ones. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah they With do. With like yeah. opinions so, in it and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, and they they bring in tweets and stuff. And yeah, all that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. Thing. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can understand that as a, as a method. Oh of yeah, lots it. of people do that. If you're on I mean, the train great. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I've written a few live blogs in, in my time and it's it's such a again it's such a lawless kind of environment because it's the least edited thing that's ever been put <laughs> on a newspaper's website no one's ever sort of tapped me on the shoulder oh, i can't write that it's just you could write it's hard to get right as well isn't it it's hard to be to go mu- i mean obviously that's an extreme that live text is an extreme example but yeah. it's hard like some live bloggers are amazing at just you know being interesting and funny with almost every post yeah. it's really hard to do that and it, and it goes back to your point of not actually watching the game properly as well yeah. because if you're doing a live blog you're writing what's just happened whilst things are still happening yeah so you're bound to miss a few things and then you know you're you're scrambling around to find out what happened in those three seconds where you weren't looking well i guess it's it's similar also to journalists who are at the game charlie you'll know this better than the most if, if for example you're writing a match report 
most people don't sort of don't watch the second half. They've got their head buried in their laptop. So you pro- that match report you're reading is probably sort of this kind of kind of <laughs> created imagination <laughs> version of this game. It is cha- yeah, it definitely is challenging. Like you are, you're really trying to multitask, and it's amazing with a like live match report time just seems to the second half just goes so quickly mm. like because you're so up against it it's like the first half can often be you know go feel quite sedentary and then second half it's like zoom it's just like speed hurtling towards the end as you desperately try and get everything in yeah and then if you're covering a women's match yeah. where you don't have a tv screen next to you to watch a replay yeah or you know you've got your head buried in a laptop and you're writing about you know if there's two quick goals you you're absolutely screwed yeah because you know oh, who got that assist who got you're asking around but you know some people might not know and it's just <laughs> absolute carnage especially in the second half when you're trying to get a match report off so don't read match reports anymore <laughs> because they they they're they are they're all they're fraudulent is uh, um but i think we can all agree that the football coverage sort of lives and dies by its expert opinions and so the more learned the people who are involved the better the coverage presumably is so that leads me on to watching football at the pub um Harriet, you have a wonderful story recently of some fine people you shared uh, football watching experience oh, with. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I quite often will watch a football match at the pub with my football team, yep. which uh, I love watching football with my football team. We have a good chat and, you know, there is, like you say, learned people talking about football. Yeah. We went to a sports bar in Clapham on Monday night. The worst collection of words already, but carry on. Exactly. Yep. Uh, we just finished training, so we're all, you know, uh, and it was Man United versus Chelsea. A few of us, you know were Man United fans, Chelsea fans. So, we, you know, coexisting peacefully. <laughs> and Man United score just before half-time. And this absolute bellend decided <laughs> to get his phone out and was chanting inflammatory Chelsea chants at Chelsea fans in the pub. Okay. And not just that, he was running around the pub, like putting the phone in somebody's face. What do you? What are you going to do with that footage? Where are you going to post? Exactly, it? and that—that that was the thing that just—it just—I hate that side of uh, football fandom now yeah. because everything's done for social media's sake. Mm. It's done for a reaction. You—you you, kind of getting everybody's extreme reactions all the time and trying mm. to goad things out of people. And I just that's yeah. So yeah, the literal bell end of it. It taps into a kind of a wider theme there because it feels like football fandom coverage whatever is now so focused on the the schadenfreude of someone having lost and been humiliated rather than the opposite which is someone having done something brilliant and mm. celebrating it is it just more fun to take the piss out of people is, <laughs> that, is, is, is that what we're looking at the situation here yeah or is that a reflection of where we are as a society wow, okay. i mean <laughs> i don't i think people always used to take take the piss out of each other mm. i when I was at school, if Man United had lost, and I was absolutely raging when I went in on a Monday yeah, yeah. morning, yeah. and you just knew that you'd get, you get somebody who'd be like, "Huh, you're a Man United fan. Um, how did that, how did that go at the weekend?" And all that kind of stuff. People, yeah. but it's just the way that people take the piss now yeah. is very different. It's much more instant. It's much live more instant. It's much more piss. intense. Yeah. And nobody was in my face filming me mm. when I was raging about Man United having lost yeah, at the weekend yeah, yeah. when yeah. somebody was goading me about it. Um, I feel like that doesn't happen mm. as much anymore. I guess I spend my time with a lot of football journalists, so <laughs> we don't do that to each other. Um, but yeah, it's just a very different way now and it's it's not particularly pleasant, is it? I was I was, I was was looking forward to talking about the quirks of watching football at the pub and we've gone in very extreme. Yeah, I was going to say, it's more like <laughs> low my, level. Uh, the, so. my, my biggest bugbear was just people who applaud substitutions at the pubs. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> this is not a two-way portal to the Emirates or whatever. This, this is an absolute waste of your time. Charlie, bugbears about watching football in the pub? Um, 
I probably don't. I mean, I don't do it as much as I used to when I was younger. Yeah. I, I I didn't mind it. I mean, I, there, there's always an issue with like. <laughs> You can't see. I'm often like torn between two or three screens, <laughs> and and like none of them's quite right. Like it's so one, hard. One of them's like one of them's almost at. too big, and then like <laughs> one is oddly faded, and like that sort of and then, thing. And then there's projector screen, which which has yeah it solves the size issue and the sort of visibility issue, but then it's also really faded. That's what I mean then about the, the faded element. Coming in. Yeah, it's difficult to watch football it's... in the pub, and you can't hear anything. Oh no! One of my big bubbers is when everyone's there to watch the game, and they put loud music on during the game rather than commentary. Oh. That is, I find that really irritating. I raise you that they put rugby on instead of football. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that is uh, like during Six Nations and Autumn Internationals, you have to be very, very careful well, about which pubs you're going to. Well, you go into a pub so Saturday lunchtime for the early Premier League kickoff, and then you notice that they're actually they're showing the warm-up of a, of a championship game. You think, ah, oh, they haven't got BT. <laughs> yeah. What kind yeah, of establishment so is this? That's a very familiar... Because, oh, it costs so much money. I was like, well, fair enough. It's, an, yeah, it's, a, it's a real industry-wide issue. But Actually, uh, I remember that was like um, talking of illegal streaming, like low-level piracy. Not really piracy, but me and my brother would used to... Do you remember Prem Plus? Yeah, Where you'd have to pay extra for games. So <laughs> the pub down the road from our house, <laughs> we would go there and like share an orange juice as as kids and like, look at each other knowing like we are really screwing the system. And... and <laughs> <laughs> and get to watch, you know, Liverpool v Leeds uh, on Prem Plus. I remember watching a Chelsea game um, at a pub in Kilburn in the mid 2000s via sort of Norwegian satellite and just thinking, I have cracked yeah. society. Yeah. I win. <laughs> I'm watching Saturday 3 pm football and there's nothing you can do about yeah, it. Yeah, were... I had to buy a burger and a pint. <laughs> there were quite a few pubs that. Uh, around that time, I remember that would show three o'clock games How they get away with and it? be quite brazen about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then there was that one massive legal case against like it was a Portsmouth yeah, pub la- yeah. landlady and it just Classic. all fell apart. And now you can't watch illegal live streams in pubs. Sad times. Away from like, the furious live consumption of football, I want to talk about YouTube goals compilations to finish because it's such a curious subgenre of football consumption. Um, I want to cover the, the important... Um, sort of examples of YouTube goals compilations. There's the goals, skills, assists, bullet points, season, open brackets, HD side of things, which is a real showcase for a player. And then there's the sort of player been linked to club video, which is Gonzalo Higuain, bullet point, welcome to Arsenal, bullet point 2013 genre, which is very speculative. Um, tell me about YouTube goals compilations, um, your experiences. Well, I think one thing with them is they they are amazing at making any player look really, really good. And I, I can, like, yeah, in the midst of time, I remember seeing one of a goalkeeper. This would have been, like, 2007. And he was just, like, saving everything. I was like, oh, my God, he's unbeatable. Like, th- this is, like, the best goalkeeper ever. I asked, I asked some people to, to send us some, some examples of niche YouTube compilations with kind of baffling soundtracks. Uh, Nathan Hildred says, there's a montage of Peter Lovencran's 29 Premier League goals for Newcastle. <laughs> Set to Never Gonna Stop Me by mid-90s American grunge artist Rob Zombie. Hope this helps. That is. That's exactly what I was looking for. It's helpful. Uh, S. Villarino says, my favourite niche compilation um, is Di Stefano plus Pushkas, which sounds like it should be a really good goals compilation. Um, and then it's the soundtrack is Fire by Scooter, live in Cologne. So it's not even like that. It's the original version. Uh, this is kind of incongruous soundtracks to what should be classical good football and uh, there's Letitia plus Mozart for example which is really nice and really mm. pleasant to listen to um, they're just so weird goals compilations on YouTube yeah and also I think there's now a version with the Titanic soundtrack <laughs> 
to quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of things. I'm sure I remember the first tweet that said this sounds better with the Titanic soundtrack and thinking this is the greatest thing I've ever seen on Twitter. And now he's just too cool for it. It's too cool. Too cool. Again, though, like like with pubs, I really like often uh, when goal combinations are just commentary rather than music. (laughs) (laughs) Got Tyler screaming over and over again. Makeda. That's when you really get a lot out of goals. I think more. uh, I love I love a montage, but sometimes you just. I feel like any player could have a a goal a sort of a YouTube compilation a bit like you could pretty much make a match of the day montage for any player he did this time and time again this is how he did he cleared it here he's done well there he's seen the danger he's spotted it he's cleared it that's just really basic football you can make a compilation out of anybody the worst player I've seen with a YouTube compilation is Papi Gilabodji uh, oh yeah, the, the baffling sort of the Chelsea uh, banter era Chelsea signing um, and his his montage was one goal sort of really stretched out uh, so about 45 seconds and then just loads of really sort of basic defending it was just really strange I also there's re- quite a fine art isn't there to those ones where you see a player like does a bit of skill gets into the shooting position and they don't show the no, shot no, this, and you're like okay perfect. I know what's happened here yeah so a, a goals compilation from a player you knew was really good so say like Bergkamp or, or, or someone otherwise who was just sort of really good at dribbling or something like that and you knew all their really famous goals and then there was one you think oh, I don't recognise this yeah. one ah I didn't okay. score it yeah. that's why yeah. I've seen it what a lovely way to wrap up episode five of Football Clichés. Who knew we would get this far? Thanks to both my guests, Charlie and Harriet. All our podcasts are completely free and ad-free versions are available to subscribers. You can sign up and get a 40% discount now at theathletic.com forward slash clichés pod.